Uh, Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Pleased to be joined right now. The man doing the Big 12 title game, Sean McDonough. And, uh, boy, uh, Molly McGrath and uh, Todd Blackledge. It's going to be a great uh, crew, a premier game, Big 12 championship. And, uh, Sean, so, thanks so much for being with us. This is uh, this is one of those deals, man, either OU or Texas is always in this game. So uh, forgive us if we're a little giddy that two different teams have somehow ended up in the Big 12 title game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand it. You know, change is good. Oklahoma deserves a lot of credit for what it has done in this conference for a long time. And they, you know, very nearly earned their way back into it again in that Bedlam game last week. But we're excited about the matchup we have, a lot of great storylines. And, you know, when we had Baylor in this game two years ago, it was a really terrific game. I expect it'll be a similar, close, exciting game tomorrow. All right, when you start to look at this uh, matchup, uh, Pokes, isn't it funny all what you've thought about the Big 12 for years and what you've thought about Gundy and Oklahoma State, how you have to almost flip the script completely, and, and Sean, you've got to put your defensive hat on. And it's very, very strange <laughs> to those of us who have watched this program for a long time, but they truly do have a dominant defense that is really their calling card. Yeah, they do. You know, Jim Knowles done a great job, as we all know. Uh, I think both teams are outstanding on defense. You know, to your point, Matt, about the way the Big 12 has changed, you know, it's not just the perception of it, it's the reality. You know, there's a lot of good defense being played in this conference now, particularly by these two teams. So I think it'll be a game similar to what we saw in the regular season, low scoring, you know, probably in the low 20s and a game decided by a field goal or so. You know, it was a 10-point game the first time, but it, as you know, it was a late touchdown there by the Cowboys that kind of helped them pull away. But, yeah, I think it's – I give Mike Gundy a lot of credit. You know, there's a guy who has really evolved over the years, and I think he's also done an excellent job hiring assistant coaches. You know, Jim Knowles was a great hire. I mean, he came from Duke. You know, he, he's – He's hired guys away on offense from Princeton, you know, Sean Gleason, Mike Yersich came from Shippensburg. You know, Dana Holgerson wasn't very well known when he brought him to Stillwater. So I think he has a real good knack for, you know, identifying uh, coaches and also kind of staying ahead of the, the curve in terms of trends in college football. Sean McDonough joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Sean, congratulations, by the way, the uh, voice of uh, ESPN's uh, – uh, hockey coverage, NHL. I mean, you are a man for all seasons. Do you ever? Uh, you're great at golf. You you decided to go back to the Red Sox after a few years away from baseball. Do you? <laughs> is, do you? Do you ever like you end up in a press box and you kind of have to mentally kind of get prepared? Like, okay, today I'm doing this sport because you are <laughs> a uh, you are a true jack of all trades. Well, you know, the rest of that adage goes master of none, right, which I hope is true, <laughs> but I enjoyed the variety of it. I did have one stretch uh, earlier this fall when you know, I do the Red Sox games, as you mentioned, some of their games, not a lot, on their local radio, regional radio network around New England. And so I had one weekend where we had a Saturday night game. We were on ABC in Nebraska. They played Michigan. It was a terrific game. You know, very little sleep, uh, connected through Chicago the next morning from Lincoln to get back to Boston to do a Red Sox-Tampa Bay 
playoff game, which wound up going, I believe, 14 innings or something like five hours and 15 minutes on that Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Woke up the next morning and flew to Tampa to do our first hockey game on ESPN in 17 years on that Tuesday night uh, at Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So in a three-game stretch, to amplify your point, it was football, baseball, hockey, and <laughs> I did one hockey game earlier this year where I called the puck a ball once, which I certainly know what a puck is. But uh, so sometimes they do all run together. Yeah, you've got that Massachusetts uh, connection there, so you certainly grew up talking about pucks, but I can see oh, how that yeah, would happen. I grew up in my heyday, you know, uh, my, my childhood, it was the heyday of Bob Yor. And, and the Bruins, even though the Celtics were great in that time, too, and they're winning championships almost every year, the, the Bruins were the more popular team when I was a kid, and everybody on my block wanted to be Bobby Orr. So yeah, I grew up loving hockey, and I appreciate you mentioning the NHL because, you know, the chance to do this and have Oh, I lost you there for a second, Sean. We may have, we may have to get Sean to a uh, different... Uh... A better cell area. Can you hear me, Sean? <laughs> Sean McDonough joining us, uh, who's on the call tomorrow, ABC. Um, and uh, we may have just lost him there. So, Aaron, uh, we'll take a peek and see if uh, Sean calls us back. God, I love talking to him because uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into. But uh, his dad was... Uh, uh, the late Will McDonough was just unbelievable, one of the most famous sports writers ever. And uh, so Sean comes by this naturally, and so it's really cool now that he's uh... – oh, good, Sean. I was just vamping while we lost you there. No, talking no about you Yeah, bored, you would – just a line automatically drop on your show? Is that how it works? <laughs> That's something we have. No, I thought it was a good answer. I was very upset. I was kind of ready for you to land that one. I don't one. know where uh, I was in the middle. Yeah, yeah, no, you were. Realize you're talking and nobody's listening anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I. uh, By the way, John Henry. Some of those people associated with the Red Sox have been known to have a little money, so I would think some private air travel might be in order for you, uh, especially the lead voice now with NHL. So let's uh, uh, let's make sure you're getting the the, the same treatment that Fowler and Herb Street and those guys are getting, John. That's a that's a totally different stratosphere. We have not. Ascended to that level, uh, nor will we anytime soon. But uh, I'm happy in my own little world that I'm in. You, know, you mentioned the variety of it, and that's what I've always enjoyed the most. Even back when I was at CBS, particularly at ESPN, just the variety of events and sports that we have. You know, gives somebody like me who, you know, I got into this because I was a sports fan and wanted to have a way to be involved in sports in my adult life and as a living. You know, I didn't really have one particular sport in mind. So to have the chance to do all these different things at the network level has been a blessing for which I'm most grateful. Yeah, I have to ask, did you, your dad's one of the most famous sports writers ever, and then obviously he started doing more TV and branching out uh, later in his career. Did you grow up, like, wanting to be uh, at a computer or typewriter? I mean, you're not that old. I mean, you, uh, you've you seen the advent of oh, was <laughs> all the other. back then. I watched my dad <laughs> hunt and peck with two fingers for a long time. Uh, it sticked the telephone into this weird contraption to transmit a story into the Boston Globe. So, yeah, I knew because I followed him around as a kid that I wanted to be involved in sports. You know, we were really fortunate to tag along to 
so many sporting events. And the, the foremost experience I had that really, I think, drove me to this was my dad covered the Red Sox when I was really young in back in the late 60s. And we go to spring training for a month and a half down in Florida and get homeschooled in the morning. Then I'd go to the park with my dad in the afternoon. And I'd sit in the back of the Red Sox radio booth and I'd watch the legendary Ned Martin and Ken Coleman do their thing. And I think that's where it got in my head. Wow, this would be a fun thing to do because very shortly thereafter, I had a little tape recorder and I'd sit in the living room of our house and call every sporting event I could off the TV. Probably drove our family crazy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I was blessed, more than anything, blessed to grow up as my dad's son. My dad's as fine a man as I've ever known. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be able to say about you, Dad. But. Uh, he was a much better person than he was a sports writer and sportscaster, and he was a great sports writer, but okay as a sportscaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he was a he was a tough guy he too. Made the tra- he was the original, as you'll remember, Matt. He was the original information man. You know, he was the first. You know, Chris Mortensen or you know, Adam Schefter. CBS brought him on the old NFL Today, and it was by accident. He was just a guest to talk about stuff, and then. Brett Musburger was so impressed by how much he knew about other things going around the league that he suggested to Ted Shaker and the other people at CBS, yeah, we should bring this guy back next week. So you know, it, it started totally by accident. But when my dad died at his funeral, Peter King grabbed me and he said, you know, when he got on TV, the first guy he called was my dad to say thank you for you know, paving the way for all these guys who've made an industry of it now. You think he would have loved or hated Twitter? Hated it. Wouldn't have done it. <laughs> It's a big reason why I don't do Twitter, because I know he'd hate it. I noticed. He wouldn't want me to do it. You know, uh, my dad was not afraid to tell you what he thought if you said something or did something that upset him, and I'm the same way. So people ask me all the time, I want to do Twitter. Mostly it's to prevent myself from, you know, firing back at at somebody. I, I've worked with a lot of people who you know, kept their name on Twitter during games, and they get all upset because people are saying mean things about them. Uh, what do you expect on Twitter? So, <laughs> Not populated by people throwing bouquets at each other. So uh, I, people say, well, it's a great way to get information. No, there's a lot of other places in today's world where you can get information. So mm-hmm. I'm all right without Twitter. You, you, you may miss out on the latest college coaching carousel, the latest rumor of like where who's going to Oklahoma. But you, I, I like what you're saying. You probably have plenty of people around you who will tell you that within a couple of minutes of that being oh, tweeted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, my <laughs> sister's the vice president of Memorial Sloan Kelly Hospital in New York, and she's on the communications communications, but she's actively tuned in social media. And when I started doing Monday Night Football, but if there's something I should know about, feel free to tell me. She kind of monitors it for me. Let me know if there's anything I, I need to know, but uh, you know it's it, it, things are on Twitter. But if they're on Twitter, they're on every other uh, media outlet, including ESPN.com, within ten seconds. So uh, yeah, you know, that's the world. My dad, back in the day when he was breaking all those scoops, you know he'd get a scoop at four o'clock the next, you know, in the afternoon or noon one day, and it wouldn't hit the papers till the morning the next day. You know, it was so much <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that would happen. It's something. If you have a scoop now, it's a scoop for about ten seconds. You better get it out there before somebody else puts it out there. Yeah, and and you we can have a uh, we could talk all day about what it's done to journalism, but we won't go down that route. Uh, yeah, Sean McDonough. Not, not positive, <laughs> for the most part, I'm sure it has some positive yeah. elements to it, but you know, I, I just think it's uh, you know, 
it's uh, I like to think I'm a kind person, and you know I, I think it's largely mean spirited the parts of it that I've seen. So mm-hmm. and what I hear well. about, you know, I don't think it's as I said a, a place where people go to practice acts of kindness. So no, no. Uh, you're right, and Sean McDonough with us on the Matt Mosley Show is calling this game uh, tomorrow, and has got a great crew. It's going to be a lot of fun. You and Sal Palantonio, by the way, the last holdouts at all of ESPN, not on Twitter. I guess Berman, oh, we can really? count I him. I know that Sal Pal didn't do that. Of course, I would yeah. have to be on Twitter to know that he wasn't, but <laughs> you know, that's surprising, especially as, you know, well, he's really a reporter. As mm-hmm. He's refused to get on. words about our crew. You know, I am – so proud to be a really small part of this group. I think Todd Blackledge is as good as there is in any sport, you know, on sports television. Just, you know, by any standard, you judge an analyst. He's terrific. Molly McGrath, the rising star. Our production crew, you know, the, our producer, Scott Johnson, our, uh, Josh Hoffman, our director, Scott Johnson. Scott Johnson's been with some of these same camera guys and tape operators for about 25 or 30 years. And, yeah, I'll put the quality of the production that they do every week against anything. So uh, I'm really uh, excited and really blessed to be a part of this group. Well, it is a great group. Now, I have to tell you, though, because you all have access to coaches. And Dave Aranda, really interesting guy. I mean, I'm sure you read to your family, and you grew up with uh, your dad, Will, uh, maybe reading some Berenstain Bears or Velveteen Rabbit. This is a different kind of coach, this Dave Aranda. Do you uh, – uh, have, have you, you know, I, I would say, Sean, you think about how these college coaches are wired. They're usually wired to not give you information. I find this right. guy to be very refreshing. Now, Gundy's a little bit more old school. I like Mike, but Gundy's kind of the old school. He's not going to, he'll be nice, and he's an interesting guy, but he's not going to be that forthcoming. Whereas Aranda, I mean, my gosh, he'll explain things as long as you need him to what have been your uh, what have been your impressions of Dave Aranda during his uh, short tenure at Baylor well i've always liked him you know as a person and as a coach even way back before Baylor you know i i got to know him when he first got to Wisconsin and then obviously we did a bunch of LSU games when he was there you know i asked uh, one of the players on our conference call the other day to describe him and the first two words that he said were kind hearted uh, you know, that's a, lot, a lot of times you ask people to describe their coach. Those aren't the, the things that you get right out of the shoot. And I think he is those things. You know, he, uh, you know he's, he's so interesting. You know, there was a lot that he said on our call the other day. I wasn't sure I understood, but that's okay. I'm not that smart. But he, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think he's an excellent coach. You know, as a matter of fact, um, you know, back when he was an assistant at Wisconsin, I thought, wow, if Syracuse ever needs a coach, I'm going to call and say, you know, this is a guy that you, we, we, I like to call Syracuse, we, uh, we need to consider as our coach. So I'm not surprised he got a head coaching job and that uh, he's been successful. And I really like him. I think the players really, really like him for that reason. You know, they know he's genuine. He cares about them. I think that's really, really important in today's coaching. Players will take hard coaching if they know you care. That's one of the things Jim Knowles said about his defense at Oklahoma State. So uh, I've always been a big fan of Dave. Uh, happy for his success with this turnaround this year. I think he deserves a lot of credit for you know identifying the right offensive coordinator to come in here and implement a system that obviously has worked exceedingly well. All right, I need one scoop uh, in, in kind of like uh, how your dad would do it. Gary Bohannon. 
Um, what are you, what is your gut telling you, and um, <laughs> are you able well, to shed any light on it? One of the reasons my dad was a great reporter is he never <laughs> burned anybody who put their faith in him. You know, as you know, a lot of what we talk about it is in those meetings, you know, and they didn't say anything was optimistic. And I don't think this will surprise you. I think he's going to try. Now, we haven't talked to them since Wednesday, and, you know, that's an eternity when you're talking about getting ready for a college football game and, and all the treatment that he would get and practice time if he participated. And I don't know what has happened uh, really Wednesday afternoon because we spoke in the morning on Wednesday. So uh, a lot has transpired. And, uh, my suspicion is that uh, based on what we heard the other day, they're going to try to get him in the game um, for how long or when, uh, if that's from the start or other points in the game, I really don't know. But, um, you know, I think they have confidence in Blake Chapin, and, you know, it'd be interesting to, to see what happens with Bohannon. I hope he gets it. I mean, you know, he's, by all accounts, a great guy. Uh, he's been a really important part of them getting to this point, and he's a heck of a football player. So uh, I hope he gets a chance to at least get in the game, if not start. And you saw him, you know, complete. Yeah, I, I like that. Play, I, I don't know whether he'll start, but it sounded like they were at least hopeful he could get in the game. Yeah, I, no, I like that. I like that, and uh, your dad would be proud as always. Um, um, but I, I, the uh, the Blake Shapin thing, by the way, he's a great baseball player, and uh, you being I a heard baseball that. guy, Maybe you yeah, can help me with my preparation because I read in the notes that he was on the baseball team, but doesn't sound like he got into any baseball games. Well, um, no, he they they he they wanted him, and he could have possibly even started at shortstop like he's that good and they uh, as a freshman and they thought he had a chance last year to maybe be in the competition as a starter and uh, well actually yeah this past season and coach said he needed him for the spring I'm talking about this past spring and so uh, so uh, Steve Rodriguez the baseball coach said okay well you can have him and so he was but I do think he tr- he would be a starter and in the middle of the lineup on a really good Big Twelve baseball team. So yeah, feel free to use that. You, you don't even have yeah, to. Uh, you don't even have to I'm attribute that. You as my source of this information, <laughs> Matt Bosley. Why you're doing these interviews is sometimes <laughs> I learn something, and learning is good. So there you That's, go. Middle of the well, I saw he was a, the number one rated baseball prospect in Louisiana, and he played in the Under Armour All American game. So yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I think he's going to be good, and uh, and this will be. Well, and you know, the other we, we're not allowed to talk to the quarterback this week. So, do you know what the anticipation is that he will play baseball at some point? That's oh, I th- I think Shapen. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a pu- I think it's going to be a push and pull uh, on that, Sean. Uh, whether whether he's going to uh, whether he's going to do that or not, I think the baseball coach would love it. But if Blake Shapin becomes a starting quarterback at Baylor, I don't, I don't think they'll accommodate him. You know, you saw it with um, the Oklahoma quarterback a few years ago, who's obviously great in the NFL now. If they play outfield and can be there just occasionally, they'll do it. But Shapin's so good that there would be such a push and pull that they would need him to be like the starting shortstop or be nothing at all. So that's the way. Right. That's the way I would leave that. Yeah. Well. All right. It wouldn't be nice to be that talented. And I'm guessing he's a good golfer because I have read that his uncle is Hal Sutton, so he's probably good at that. He's one of those guys who's good at everything. 
Yeah, if you're from really Freeland. Like having not been good at much at all. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go the wrong way. Yeah, you're, you're very modest, but you're pretty much great at everything. So that's, uh, that's uh, uh, at least from a broadcasting standpoint. And by the way, if you're from Shreveport, Louisiana, you're either kin to David Toms or Hal Sutton. I've never met anybody right. from Shreveport who doesn't know one of those guys. Like, oh, I'm David Tom's neighbor, or I'm Hal Sutton. So they're they're or very, Tim very – I've got to throw in a word for my buddy, the legendary Tim Brando, long-time ESPN colleague now at Fox, who's one of my favorite people in this business. You've probably heard him on before. And if you haven't, you should. Uh, yes. And it, it will be an easy thing for you because all you need to do is ask one question, and Tim will go for 20 minutes, and you'll be good. Yeah, I've experienced that many times, and uh, and uh, by the way, he is on Twitter, and he is not afraid to stir it up, and, and any thought that, well, he's on a big network, so he probably won't say anything controversial, that, that's not Brando, you know, Brando. No, I love, that's one of the reasons I love Jimmy you know, he, he loves uh, broadcasting, he loves college football, he's super passionate about it, he's not afraid to give his opinion, and, you know, at this point in his career, I worry about it. He's a legend, and uh, he'll do this as long as he wants to, unless he does something super stupid on Twitter, which I don't think he would do because he's smarter <laughs> than that. I, I'm with you, but he did a podcast, by the way, you should look for, get somebody to send it to you recently, and I think he got heated, and they started hollering at each other. It's <laughs> <Somebody>. a <laughs> so, That doesn't surprise me. That's part of the reason why I love him, because... Uh, uh-huh. He's passionate, you know, about everything, really. Most of all, his family, which is uh, where we should all start with our passion, so in our faith. So, uh, I, I admire the heck out of Tim. He's been a really good friend for a long time. Well, folks, listen to uh, it'll be on ABC tomorrow, uh, eleven, uh, eleven a.m. A kickoff, and Baylor's gotten very used to that, Sean. That's like uh, five or six of these, so I think their body clocks will be ready. I can't speak for Oklahoma State. I am a Baylor grad, so I tend to lean that way a little bit. But uh, Sean, this was great. I, you're, you've been a uh, uh, a guy that I, I really love uh, listening to over the years, so it's a pleasure to get to visit with you. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and uh, really looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, I think. It's very hard for the announcers and TV crew, too. You know, I used to be 11 a.m. start, but you know, we've done this game several times, and that's been the starting time. And usually these teams come out ready to go, and it's a good show, and I expect we'll have a really meaningful and exciting game tomorrow. I think it will be. There he goes, Sean McDonough, the, uh, the, the great uh, ESPN ABC announcer uh, man for all seasons, joining the Matt Mosley Show.